Welcome to the Chasing Presence podcast, co-hosted by Santiago and Mike. This is a space where we share our insights for how to live a more spiritually aligned life. Join us on our journey to expand consciousness, live with purpose, and awaken to our true nature. Welcome, everyone. Today, we are going to be doing things a little bit differently. We do not have an overarching topic for today's conversation. We're just going to kind of have a free-flowing conversation, but it will still obviously be geared towards spiritual topics and things of that nature. Maybe we'll share more personal things that are going on in our lives currently, things that we've been thinking of um, related to the spiritual path, different uh, habits we've been practicing, different challenges we've been facing, um, so forth and so on. I did take some notes ahead of time of, of just to kind of get uh, my thoughts going and to make sure I have things to talk about in case uh, I, I come to a point where I um, run out of things to say, which probably won't happen, but I decided to do that anyway. But Mike, how's it going? How's your How's your week? It's going well. I, I'm really excited for this first episode of Conscious Conversations, as we're going to call it, um, just because it there, there's no... There's no premeditated outcome or topic that we're trying to talk about. It's just we are going to have a conversation and see where it goes. And maybe we're going to want to guide it in a certain direction, or maybe it's just going to be spontaneous all over the place. We don't know, but it's kind of like, you know, we're just going to embrace uncertainty in this episode. We're not going to try to like um, mold ourselves to any type of outline, and we're just going to see how it goes. So I'm excited to talk about this today. Um, and just about what's been going on in our personal lives. And yeah, so the first thing I want to start with, though, is I know that, you know, we, we talked before this, you said that you had gone through some um, mushroom journey recently that you really wanted to tell me about. And I really want you to tell me about, I, I want you to talk about your mushroom journey. And I also want to talk about your recent DMT, DMT journey, because I don't believe you talked about it on our last podcast. So yeah, I'd love to hear it. Definitely. Yeah. So it's kind of funny because the two trips actually relate to each other. And I believe that the DMT trip that I did two, uh, it was a little over two weeks ago has impacted the way I now experience mushrooms. Um, so I will preface it by going over DMT first. So for those of you who are not aware, um, DMT stands for dimethyltryptamine. It is one of the most potent uh, psychedelics that exist. It is different than 5-MeO-DMT, which I have also done. The names both have DMT in it, but they're actually very different experiences. They're similar in the sense that they're both extremely potent. 5-MeO is considered to be the most potent. Generally speaking, there's obviously always people who are going to argue against that. But for most people that can, uh, have a consensus that 5-MeO is the most powerful Typically, when you do that, you experience pure ego death. There's everything and nothing. Time ceases to exist. There's no senses, so forth and so on. I've talked about it on some of the other episodes. Whereas just regular DMT, which is also um, known as NNDMT, but typically people just call it DMT, um, is highly visual. You know, So it's a highly visual experience where there's a lot of geometric patterns and fractals that you see and all kinds of crazy um, experiences can happen. Some people end up um, encountering multidimensional beings and entities that they can communicate with. And they say that they can experience more than three dimensions, five dimensions, seven dimensions, you know, all kinds of crazy things can happen. So for me, um, and, and one more thing I will also preface with, I don't want to spend too much time talking about the ins and outs of uh, a DMT experience, but there's what is known as a breakthrough dose, which is essentially um, an experience where, you know, with DMT, where if you have a breakthrough experience, that's typically when you're going to be experiencing these other dimensions and when you're going to be encountering entities and having this extremely powerful experience. Not everyone breaks through when they do it. And typically, let's just say you're someone who's done 50 DMT trips. Uh, most likely, there's going to be a, a significant number of those where you did not break through. So you're still seeing visuals, you're still seeing patterns, there's still some uh, dissolving of the ego. There's still definitely, um, an effect that's being had. You're just now breaking through to this other dimension where you're now encountering entities. That's a very high level, you know, rudimentary kind of description of it. When I did DMT for the first time two weeks ago, I did it two times back to back. And typically the way you're supposed to do it is you're supposed to take three 
hits of um, of the, so you smoke it and you're supposed to do three hits back to back. So when I did it with the facilitator, she's told me to just do one hit. The first time she said that there are other people she's worked with who have been able to break through on one hit. So I was like, all right, let's just do one hit. And then if I need to do more, I can do more. So I did the one hit and it's hard to explain the sensations, but essentially I did it. It wasn't like super powerful, definitely had the visuals and whatnot, but did not break through. It only lasted about five minutes or so. And then I told her, Hey, that wasn't like that strong. Let's try doing it, doing it again. And then on the second um, trip, I took two hits and after the second hit, I thought, Oh, this is feeling pretty strong. I think I'll this will be enough. So I didn't take the third one. And I felt like I was being sucked into some sort of vortex. Again, very difficult to explain these experiences. Long story short, I did not break through on the second one either. But there was some sort of what I would describe as a gatekeeper. Um, you know, you kind of go through this tunnel, uh, they call it the waiting room. So before you break through that you're in this place called the waiting room, which is, again, hard, hard to describe, but essentially, that's where I was. And then at the very, towards the very end of the peak of the experience, there was some sort of like energy that essentially told me that I'm not going to be crossing through to that other dimension. And then I came back to reality. Um, and I was okay with that. I was like, all right, this isn't my time. I'll do it again sometime next year. So my plan is to do it again next year because I do want to have a breakthrough experience and I do want to see the entities and experience them. But I wasn't bummed out because my whole thing is like, you know, I had the experience I was meant to have. It was a good introductory experience to kind of get to kind of get a feel for it. Next time when I go in and do it with the same facilitator, I'm going to tell her that I, I do want to do a larger dose with three full hits to go for that breakthrough. I also had a lot of resistance going into this trip. I had a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear. Um, yeah, I was, I was really, for some reason, I, I always have some fear and anxiety when I go into psychedelic ceremonies, but for some reason this time was more than usual. I was like really scared um, because I knew it was going to be a highly visual experience. I had the fear of seeing things that would scare me. And so I had resistance to taking the, the full three hits I had. Um, it was just, I went into it with not the best, um, the best mindset. So maybe it was a good thing that I didn't break through. Who knows? But I had the experience I was meant to have and it was what it was. And now I feel more comfortable next time really going for it. Now that I, at least I have an idea of kind of what it can be like. Fast forward to um, yesterday, I decided to do uh, mushrooms, I just a gram, right? Which, you know, for people who are unaware, a gram of mushrooms is on the lower end of a normal recreational dose. It's still considered a normal dose, but it's kind of on the lower end. 1.5 grams is kind of on the higher end of a normal dose. Once you get to two grams, that's very high end of a normal dose. Anything above two starts to be a strong dose. So 2.5, three stronger. And then once you get to five grams or more, that's considered to be a heroic dose. So I just did a gram. A gram typically is a, is a fairly you know, easy experience, nothing too crazy usually happens. Um, and the way I've been, I've been doing the mushrooms lately is I will put on, um, a face mask or is that what it's called? When you, whatever you, the, the, the thing you use to basically block out light, the um, eye mask, eye mask. There you go. Yeah. So I, I put on the eye mask. Um, I need to get a new one because the one I have is not very good, but I put it on and I put on a playlist by East forest and I don't know, it's kind of a long name, but if you just look up East Forest Mushroom Playlist, um, you can find it on Spotify. And it's this five-hour playlist that is that he specifically created um, to guide people through mushroom journeys. And it is this is the second time I've done this, and that playlist is just magical. I mean, he creates it. It's not what you think it's going to be. It's not like your typical psychedelic type of music. It's He combines like different types of instruments, and then he guides you through different parts of the journey where it's like more intense. And then all of a sudden he'll take you back down to the part where it's like, there'll be parts of the playlist where it's just birds chirping or like a flute lightly playing or like a just nature sounds. And then, and then that's kind of like an intermediary, intermediary period before you go into the next kind of segment of your journey. It's, it's a really dope experience. So you, it takes you through multiple journeys within the journey itself, the way he designs it. And in this mushroom journey, it was unlike any other mushroom trip I've ever had. And I've done maybe up at this point somewhere, I would guess around 20 mushroom trips over the course of my life. So nothing too crazy, but I know a decent amount of experience. And the quality of this mushroom trip was very DMT-like. The visuals I was seeing were not the typical kinds of visuals I was seeing. It was very similar to the visuals I saw when I smoked DMT and the energy of the and the, and the vibe of the 
headspace that I was in was not like a typical mushroom trip. It was this other DMT-like experience. And there was even one part where an entity started coming through to me during the mushroom trip, which is wild because I did not experience any entities when I smoked the DMT, but it was this very hard to explain. It was very brief. And again, I was only on a gram, so it wasn't like this super powerful experience, but there was definitely something coming through. It had like a blue face and it was... It looked both ancient and extraterrestrial at the same time. And it had like these gems for eyes and it didn't, it didn't seem, um, it didn't, it definitely did. wasn't like scary or, you know, it didn't seem like it would had any kind of bad intentions, but it also didn't seem like it had like love or anything like that. It was just very like ancient and I don't know, otherworldly. It just had like this crazy kind of uh, presence to it. And then it, it was very brief and then it went away. And then I went through other parts of the of the journey, obviously, where I had insights, a lot of insights relating to the subconscious mind, I think, because we had that conversation recently. And I was able to I was able to more greatly internalize the connection between the mind and the body and how you how the more you go from conscious to subconscious to unconscious, you get a closer connection directly to the body itself, because the brain is is part of the body and it connects through everything, through the nervous system and everything like that. And I was just even though we already know this, it was just more in, internalized to greater detail during the trip. And then there were these other types of parts where I went through what I can describe as like there was this matriarchal kind of energy. And I was kind of taken to like this this fairy tale type of land where there was this very motherly type of presence, but not, not it wasn't because I've done ayahuasca and it wasn't mother ayahuasca. It was just some other type of type of place I had gone to. Anyway, these types of things that I, it's very hard for me to articulate this, but the types of things I experienced on this trip were not like any other mushroom trip I've had. And it took me almost to this deeper layer of where psychedelics can take you consciously through, you know, through this landscape. It's like I've access to this other um, dimension of, of, uh, I don't even know, of consciousness. I don't know. I'm excited though. This, this trip made me very excited to continue to explore psychedelics and start to do even higher doses with the mushrooms. And then I also want to do DMT again. I also want to do ayahuasca again. It's just, it opened, it made me realize like there's so much more for me to experience, even though I've already been using these medicines for about six years, I, I feel like I'm just scratching the surface. And as I'm growing spiritually and healing and releasing trauma, less of the trip is focused on like, yes, I still had anxiety coming up and, and, and uncomfortable feelings during the come up, but less of my bandwidth was spent on like trying to manage uncomfortable emotions or um, just the typical kind of things you experience on psychedelics. And it's like, I'm able to now go to these other layers. And when I solicited feedback on Reddit, cause I made a post about it, there was one guy who's like in his sixties. He's like, yeah, the older you get and the more experience you get with psychedelics, the deeper you go and and you're going to experience things that, you know, you would not have expected to experience. You, you will evolve, your experience with them will evolve as you evolve throughout your journey in life, which is really, really interesting. And that was on one gram of mushrooms with, with an eye mask. That's crazy, man. And like <clears throat> the one thing I, I want to talk about first before I, I kind of go down this one rabbit hole that I kind of want to go down uh, as a result of you talking about this. I recently got earplugs that are custom made. I went to this like um, vendor that does this thing where they shoot like this goo into your ear so that it hardens to exactly what your ear canal is. And I got these custom earplugs for sleeping and they fit inside my ear absolutely perfectly. And I literally can't hear anything except my heartbeat and like my bodily functions. It is amazing. And the reason why I bring that up, well, the first I got those earplugs because I'm trying to protect my hearing because I'm trying to be a music producer. And when I go to shows, obviously that music is very loud. You need to protect your hearing. Not only that, but it has filters so that you can actually like hear the music well, because when shit is that loud, it's really not as enjoyable as it is if you're just listening to it on headphones. But what's nice about being in a like a crowd area is you feel all the energy of the crowd. You feel the vibrations of the music a lot more than if you're just like listening on headphones in your bed. But when you have the earplugs, you're not damaging your hearing and you're still getting that entire experience. So I, I got some earplugs for that and also got sleep earplugs. But the reason I bring that up is because imagine if you're doing that mushroom trip, but 
you put on these sleep earplugs and you used your eye mask at the same time. It's 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 almost essentially like sensory deprivation. That might be a little bit extreme, um, but I would be very interested to see how what the experience would be like if you use these completely sound blocking earplugs and an eye mask. But there's more. There's these things called the bone conduction um, headphones, where instead of you know it. Put, putting sound waves through your ear into your um, into your eardrum, it is instead vibrating your cheekbones, which is then going up into your um, the the nerve that's responsible for sending uh, hearing information into your brain. Imagine doing a mushroom trip using that. That would be pretty insane. I think I might have to dabble with something like that. Um, I just wanted to add that because I thought it was cool. Um, but yeah, so the other thing I kind of want to talk about is your intention specifically for doing DMT. Um, and I know we talked about this before, but what is your intention by using DMT, by using psychedelics, by, you know, using all of these medicines? My intention Usually it's interesting actually that you should say that because every time I do psychedelics now, <clears throat> I have an intention. And even if I'm doing it alone, I try to create a little ceremony out of it. Whereas before when I was first dabbling, I would just take it and be like, oh, I'll just do whatever. I'll watch a movie. I'll kind of just walk around and I would still get insights and it would still be therapeutic, but I'm now much more intentional with how I use them for especially the last two years, I'd say. And especially after, because it was about a year and a half ago that I had my first ceremony and that was with ayahuasca and that changed, like, that really changed the way um, that I view them. Um, it didn't change the way I viewed them. It more so gave me a greater level of uh, reverence for these, for these substances and made me realize how different the experience can be based upon the intention that you put into it and the environment you put it in. I had already known about set and setting. I had already read books. I had already understood a lot of this stuff, but this just, it kind of took it to the next level and really ingrained the value of that into me. And so I always have intentions before I go in. And usually most of my, most of the time, my intention is more or less the same, which is my intention is to heal and let go of what is no longer serving me. Something along those lines, very much focused on trauma release, things of that nature. Now that I'm at a point where I've healed a lot of my trauma, I don't know, again, I don't know that you can ever heal all of it, but I've healed a substantial amount of it. And while that is still a priority, I decided, um, I'm more recently, I've been deciding to focus on compassion and trying to enhance my sense of compassion um, for other people, for life, uh, being more empathetic and thoughtful of others, because oftentimes I can get very um, egoic in just trying to focus on what I want to accomplish um, and not being as mindful of the emotions of other people. So I want to open my heart more and become more compassionate. And so I've been setting that as my intention lately. Um, but generally speaking, you know, with, with the psychedelics, my intention is, is to heal. It's to become more compassionate. It's to become more conscious. It's to explore um, aspects of my psyche that, you know, I have not, um, that I've either suppressed or that I'm not aware of. And it's, I ultimately use it as a tool to just try to align me more with my higher self, my purpose, and to, it's also a good reset as well, just psychologically, if I feel like I just kind of want to kind of reset the playing field, you know, bring awareness to things that maybe I'm not paying as much attention to. Psychedelics largely for me have dramatically changed my life. Um, I would say that for me and my journey, they were the impetus for my spiritual awakening, more or less. Before psychedelics, I was very much a materialist um, and very agnostic. Like I was like, maybe there is, but there's probably not anything greater than this. All there is is this physical reality. Manifestation is bullshit. Energy is just, yeah, there's energy, but it doesn't really affect anything. It's it's really just, you know, what we can observe with our own two eyes, right? And then I did it psychedelics, and that, that was a big cattle, a big catalyst and um and big component of my spiritual awakening so i really give a lot of credit to my spiritual awakening to psychedelics now that i'm awakened i still use them as a way to further propel me to um, grow spiritually the a lot of people there's a lot of stigma even today um revolving around psychedelics even though there's a lot of studies clinical studies that have come out that have shown the efficacy 
of psychedelics in their ability to reduce depression, reduce fear of death, um, help heal addiction. There's a ton of benefits. There's tons of clinical studies being done. John Hopkins, you know, has a whole psychedelic research facility now that that is that has a lot of money invested into it from people like Tim Ferriss and others. That is showing a lot of like really um, really strong um, data and arguments for the for the benefit for the benefits of psychedelics. However, there's always going to still be that stigma because there are people who misuse it, there are people who abuse it, there are people who um, have psychotic breaks from it. And so I'm not downplaying the negatives. Um, but for me and my journey, they have been they've been profoundly helpful in just helping me to be a more conscious, compassionate, mindful individual. And then the other part of it, honestly, is just curiosity. Like I want to know what these things are like. I want to know. I want to experience. Like it's it's fascinating to me. I've always been fascinated by consciousness. You know, ever since I was pretty young, actually, I would ask. I remember, and even like in my early adolescence, I would ask questions like. How come I'm in my body and someone else is in theirs? Like pretty, and that's a relatively young age to be kind of questioning those types of things. Most people aren't focusing on that when they're that age. They're just focused on playing video games or whatever. So I'd always been fascinated with philosophy and psychology. It's something that I find interesting. And the, again, like I said, the more I'm doing it, the deeper I'm able to go and the more I'm able to experience. And it's just really interesting. Um, and also the last part too is, you know, sometime down the road, I may be open to potentially doing some sort of life coaching. And a part of that would probably be revolve around psychedelic integration, like helping people who have had psychedelic experiences integrate those experiences into their day-to-day life, because that's a big challenge for a lot of people. And it's something that I have a natural strength for. After my experiences, I have been very much able to integrate these things into my day-to-day life. Whereas a lot of people, they become disillusioned, they experience depersonalization, they can't cope with day-to-day life because they had these crazy mind-blowing experiences. And they're like, how do I go back to just going to work, you know, and going to the grocery and doing my day-to-day tasks? It's hard to reconcile these two worlds. And so integrating those experiences into your day-to-day life is the most actually the most important. If you do, if all you do is the psychedelics and you don't do any integration work, that's essentially like going to the gym to lift weights to try to build muscle, but not eating enough calories or protein to like actually build it. It's like if you just do the psychedelics and you don't integrate, you you might get some benefit, but you're to some degree wasting your time and it could do more harm than good. I like that analogy. Um, and the thing I want to say is that if your intention going into your DMT trip was not that I have trauma to heal, was not that I need to work on myself, and instead it was just I want to explore the the magic of reality um if that was the case do you think that it would have been a completely different experience because i feel like you know we have this this goal in mind to like to heal ourselves to to hold on to this narrative that we do have trauma and in that it's just like it's it's a narrative and like here's the thing it's like yeah trauma is stored in the body in a certain sense and um it's going to come up in the present moment sometimes. But when you hold on to this narrative that you do have trauma, you're kind of perpetuating it in a certain sense. It's like, it's it's your ego saying, this is mine. Like I identify with having this. And because of that, you're kind of giving it life, right? So th- this is where the kind of like the more contention, contentious part of, of this goes, because, you know, you might, have trauma and that might be the truth but if you conceptualize it you're kind of making it worse you're not really solving the problem um and i think if you go into psychedelics with purely the intention of curiosity and exploring the the realm that is that is not free of egotism but i mean i guess when you're on psychedelics if you take a large enough dose it's like basically no default mode network no sense of self you're exploring a realm that is not that is not very common to your day-to-day life if if you just go into it with that curiosity and that curiosity alone i feel like you're going to get a lot more out of it and then like kind of like consequently you're going to get more insights than you would if your intention was to heal you know um what do you think about that um I think it's possible. I understand what you're saying. I do think that it can be beneficial to have intention just in general. Like, 
for example, if I never focused on the trauma that I've had, and I get what you're saying, like you're identifying with the trauma. I'm not really, to some degree, yes, I am, but you kind of need to play that game in order to do the work necessary to release it. So ever since I became aware of how my trauma runs me or has run me in the past and in some ways still does, I then um, was like, okay, well, there are avenues to actually fix this. And so then I started exploring those avenues. I started exploring, you know, one of the things that's helped a lot is, well, I don't really do it that often anymore, but you know, there were, there was a time I told, talked about before, I think on the podcast where like I combined a semen retention streak with a, an extended fast and I released a bunch of trauma, right? Or there were other, there have been other moments where I've just been doing like certain like stretching, um, like rolling on my foam roller or using what's called a sew right to like loosen up my, my psoas. And I've had experiences where I've released, like I just start crying during these stressing sessions. They don't happen common, all the time, you know, but I've, there's been a variety of experiences, especially for me in the last year. I think I've healed more trauma in the last year than I have, you know, in any, in, in any year prior to that. And a lot of that had to do with my awareness and intention to heal the trauma. I even made, back when I was doing TikTok videos, I would do videos on like trauma release. And I think me focusing on it made me more aware of the opportunities to heal it and release it. And I don't think if I had ever had that intention, I probably wouldn't have released much trauma. Maybe not. I mean, I can't say for sure, but I do think there's something to be said about having an intention and then taking action to try to make it work. When it comes to psychedelics, yeah, I've never really explored using the intention of just being curious. I probably will try that next time. I think that's a good idea actually, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing either to have the intention to heal. Okay. It's just, I feel like it's part of the process. You, you kind of, you get to the point where you identify that there is a problem and then you start doing things to try to like heal yourself in a certain, in a, in a way. And then eventually you realize that, you know, you've always been fine the entire time. And then when you let go of the narrative, that's usually when you begin to fully heal, you know, um, because when, when you don't have this idea that you have trauma or that you have to do in healing, right, then you're good. But it's like we not, not really, though, because there are people who don't acknowledge that they have trauma and they continue to act in very poor manners. And they're just like, well, this is just who I am. They don't realize that those behaviors that are maladaptive are the result of trauma. Well, okay, but I'm saying after you've already identified the trauma, it's it's like, okay, yes, this is there because I had these experiences and I've been doing these repetitive tasks that has been wiring my brain a certain way. But then there's this like one step process of just becoming aware of the fact that because now it because like I said, there's just like NPC unconscious behavior, right? And then there's awareness and like, oh, I have this problem, but then you're perpetuating that problem by continuing to identify it with it. However, that is still better than completely being unaware of it, but you're still perpetuating the problem, which is why it's like this whole dark night of the soul type thing is when you become aware of the fact that you have so many, like all this trauma, all of these problems. And to get out of that, the dark night of the soul, it's, it's coming to the realization that you don't need to like like you, you can be aware of the fact that you're having negative emotions, that you're living the human condition, that you had the past that you did, but not attaching to it anymore. And kind of it, it's just, it, it can, you can really only come to that through shadow work, you know? So what I'm saying is healing is letting go of the identif identification that you have to heal. And I think in order to do that, though, you have to go through that process of becoming very identified with the fact that you do have trauma and going through all this process of trying to heal yourself before you then realize that there's nothing to heal. Yeah, I understand. I understand what you're saying. And I'd say that there's definitely um, truth to that. You don't want to identify as someone who's traumatized because then that will just perpetuate more trauma or victimization. You don't wanna, victimization. Yeah, you don't want to be like, I'm a victim. I have these problems and that's why I'm not successful in life. And that's why I can't find happiness. But I think you, there's a fine line between um, identifying with the trauma and just realizing that it's there and that you can empower yourself to take action to improve it. Yeah, no, I mean, because we, like everyone has trauma to a certain degree. And if you're aware in the moment and you know, like for example, you 
I, I think I used this example last week or the week before, but you know, if you got hit or not, not got hit by a car, but if you, if you were in a car accident in a certain intersection and you walked by that intersection and then, you know, all of a sudden negative emotions pop up, um, and you're not aware of the fact that you even have that trauma in the first place, then it's very difficult to process it, but it's, yeah. So, so I see what you mean. There, there, there is a fine line and like understanding that it, it exists in your body is one thing, but conceptualizing it as something that is yours is something that continues to perpetuate it and does not aid in the advanced healing process. Right. So I would say like when it comes to more advanced healing, um, the beginning of healing is always identifying that it's there. And the end of healing is realizing that you can just let it go. And that it's the idea that you are formulating in your head that is not allowing you to fully heal. Um, and so I kind of want to segue now because this, this week I've really been wrestling with this idea of, I mean, we already talked about toxic positivity, you know, and spiritual bypassing, but I've really been like thinking a lot about it this week. And whenever you, because I still do this, it's like, whenever you have a bad day and like, you know, I've had multiple bad days this week, but like, I'm going to say this week was a good week because I had more good days than bad days. Um, but I still had bad days and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, are they bad days or are they just days? Well, exactly, because I'm labeling them. But like, but the thing is, like, I'm feeling negative emotions. Right. Yeah, I'm just joking around. No, no, it's, I, I understand what you're saying, though. Um, but it's like um, going through the negative emotions is just something that you're always supposed to go through. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And the second that you try to alleviate that, you know, is that that's when you're getting farther away from the truth is what I'm starting to realize that, you know, if you if you are angry, express like, be aware of it, but express it. Like if you're feeling like shit, and you don't want to talk to anybody, don't force yourself to talk to people because you think that you need to network. I mean, I, I'm using an example for me because like, you know, at in the music industry, you really need to be network with people in order to do well. And like, sometimes if I don't feel like I'm networking with people, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm missing out. It's like fear of missing out or like some shit like that. But like, I was having a bad day and I see all these other people who are networking. And I'm just like, I don't fucking feel like networking. I don't feel like talking to people. And that is perfectly okay. I am okay with that. And I'm okay that if, if I'm feeling bad today, if I'm feeling nervous and anxious and that there's nothing wrong with that, that's, that's fine. And I'm just going to feel it and go about my day and do things regardless. And I'm not going to try to go meditate in the corner to try to, to force myself to feel better or, you know, to go smoke weed in order to make me feel better because it's, it's just the, the experience of being human, of feeling negative emotions. And, and you know, we, we've already talked about this, you know, how negative emotions aren't bad. And this whole idea of like good vibes only is just so fucking toxic and, um, well, the thing is, good vibes only is better than like, like fucking Hitler, obviously. Um, but it's like, it's, it's still suppressing emotions, you know, like th this. I, I really like psychedelic culture. Um, but if you go to certain music festivals, and you, you see this, this whole culture of, you know, it's like, good vibes only don't come near me if you're in a bad mood type stuff. That shit is fucking toxic. And that that can really create some people that are going to do some bad things because there's they've been suppressing their emotions for so long. Um, so I think we really need to start promoting, you know, if someone's having a shitty day, if someone literally like looks like they, they don't want to talk to anybody, or they're angry, to just allow them to be angry and to not judge them for being angry or anything like that. And just like for yourself, don't judge yourself for feeling negative, don't judge yourself for feeling grief or it, it's, it's about, it's about processing and it, it's about being aware of when you have these things and just letting it happen and not trying to make it any different. And again, we've talked about this so many times, but the reason why we keep talking about it is because it's about internalizing this because, you know, I, at least for me, this entire year, I've had 
the conscious understanding that this is what you're supposed to do. But like my subconscious doesn't, you know, but when you when you have the conscious understanding that you just need to be aware and let it and let it happen. And it's like, obviously, it's going you're going to get stuck. And it's just part of the process. It's that that's that's all it is. But with enough times of doing it, and enough times of like listening to podcasts like this, or having conversations like this with your friends, or, you know, journaling and, and figuring out a little bit more about yourself. It's that that's all it is, man. It's just it's literally just living and being okay with wherever you're at and not trying to make it any different. I mean, so I mean, there, there is something to be said that, you know, if you're in a bad relationship, if you're in a job that you don't like, and you're feeling the negative emotions associated with that, those are supposed to be a driver to lead you into a place that can potentially alleviate those. But it's not like the negative emotions are not there to say, Oh, I want to feel better now. It's about, okay, what what can I what action like what actionable like healthy step can I take to lead my life into a place that's going to allow me to feel more love joy and compassion in the future but like at the same time it's it's not something that you're like trying so hard to get and then if you don't get it's 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 a deal breaker you know what I mean I think I think about um, these types of things in terms of the micro and the macro so you could think of for example in the moment when you're experiencing a negative emotion. That's the micro. This is the moment right now. You know, for example, as I was coming down from the mushroom trip yesterday, there was a brief period where I felt, you know, a little weird, a little off, um, a little slight amount of anxiety, nothing crazy, and it didn't last very long. But as I was in that moment, I was just like, this is fine. This is the, this is the emotion I'm experiencing right now. I'm just going to sit through it. I'm going to be aware of it. That's that is one of my favorite practices. Isn't necessarily I don't. I usually actually I almost never will just be like I'm going to meditate now because I'm feeling this way, or I'm going to do Wim Hof breath work because I'm feeling this way. But what I do do is I do practice conscious breathing, and I will just literally, as I'm feeling the emotion, I'll notice it in my headspace, I'll notice it in my body, and then I'll just kind of breathe through it and and experience it without identifying with it, which is a meditation in and of itself. But I'm not doing a proper formal meditation where I'm sitting down you know, um, very still with my eyes closed, so forth, so forth and so on. But I am doing kind of like a, a, a different type of meditation where I am bringing my awareness to the emotion. I'm accepting it for what it is. I'm breathing through it. And I know just like anything else, it'll pass. I've used this analogy many times. It's like clouds in the sky. You are the sky. The emotions are the clouds. They pass. You let it, you let it be what it is. You don't need to take a million actions in that moment to try to improve it and change it. However, in the macro Let's just say that you're chronically stressed or you're chronically anxious. Well, then on a macro level, you're going to want to take actionable steps to try to change your life in ways that will hopefully make you less stressed. So if your stress is largely the result of your job, and again, the job itself is never stressful. It's the stress is within you. But let's just say there's something in your life that's constantly triggering it and you're, and, and you're having a hard time overcoming that. In that case, it may make sense to try to maybe try to find a different job that no longer stresses you out. Or if it's a relationship you're in and that person constantly causes you to have negative emotions, maybe, you know, think about either reorienting that relationship and doing work on it, you know, maybe going to therapy for it or having, you know, a conscious conversation with that person to try and change it, or you let that relationship go, right? So on a macro level, I think it is important to actually make changes to your life. You don't have to just constantly just go, well, this is the emotion. Let me just accept it. You know, you can make changes to your life to try to bring you a greater level of joy and happiness. But in the micro moments when you're going through it, that's when you kind of just have to be like, all right, this is what I'm going through right now. Let me write it out. Let me, let me just, I know it'll pass. Let me bring my awareness to it. And then on a larger scale, what changes am I going to make to my life? You know, what is my career going to be? What kind of people do I want to surround myself with? Do I want to move to a new city? Do I want to take on a new hobby? Do I want to stop doing some sort of toxic habit? Whatever it might be, you can you can make those changes. And that's that's actually not only is it okay, I would actually encourage people to do that. But on the micro, that's when you kind of just have to write it out, so to speak. Yeah. Yep. And dude, it's like the the, the big insight from this week that, that I'm pulling into it is that when you feel like shit, 
Do not try to make yourself feel better. Do not just feel it because in, in that, in that moment of, or in that, you know, it could be like hours maybe um, of processing, you are becoming stronger. You're becoming a more emotionally resilient individual. It doesn't matter like what you're doing. You, you could be going on a walk and feeling like shit. You can be sitting in your bed feeling like shit. You could be listening to music feeling like shit, but feel like shit. Like don't, don't try to not feel like shit. Cause the second you do that, you're literally just perpetuating um, like that negative emotion. You're just delaying it. It, it doesn't matter what you're doing because like, you know, some, maybe some people use drugs so that they feel good all the time. Or maybe some people, they have a relationship so that they feel good. So they get external validation from this one person so that they don't feel like shit. It doesn't matter what it is. If you're doing something that is, that is the intention of not feeling negative emotions, then you are going to put yourself in a very dark place. I, I mean, I know that's what you went through. That's what I've went through in in my relationships, in my in my abusive drug use. And I do I do believe that, you know, all these addictions, all, all these addiction addictive patterns are a result of somebody simply first not being aware and also not wanting to feel negative emotions, not being strong enough to feel negative emotions. And if you have the mentality that negative emotions are okay, and that when you feel them, you need to become aware of them and just process them and not distract yourself from them, that you're probably not going to have an addictive personality. <laughs> you know, um, at least because I used to label myself as someone who had an addictive personality. And I would not say that 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 I have that anymore because I'm, I was very addicted to weed and you know and and whatnot. And now I am essentially able to only do it once per week, and be okay with that and not like want to do it anymore because it's like I I don't. It's just like something like a, a special little ritual that I do for myself that you know that also helps me like become even more aware of my emotions, but. I don't know, man. I think it's it, it doesn't matter who you are. It really just boils down to your mentality. And I think it's just the, the mentality that you need to process your emotions is going to literally set you free and, and not be this, you know, have this idea and narrative that, oh, I'm this person that has this trauma and, you know, and kind of like victimize yourself because of it. But it's like, yeah, it's it's there. Like I still have certain traumas when it comes to social anxiety. I know that they're there because when I'm in those situations, I'm aware of that coming up. You know, it comes up into my body and it manifests itself, but I'm not overly attached to saying, oh, this is what I have. So it's really easy to deal with when it comes up in the moment, because the second you start thinking, oh, that this is my trauma, blah, 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 instead of just being like, oh, okay, negative emotion, that's probably tied to my past. It's fine. Um, it's a lot easier to deal with and process. Yeah, you know, I think the process process is is a word. You know, like everything is a process. You know, we're constantly changing, whatever. But I think the the main takeaway that I'm trying to um, preach here for this podcast is that, and I already said it: feel your negative emotions and don't try to alleviate them. Because in the act of not trying to alleviate them and just feeling like shit you are going to alleviate them. It, it's it's that it's that paradox that I've I've realized that, you know, it's why that, you know, I, I don't meditate every day anymore. It's why that I don't do the, the Wim Hof every day. It's it's why I don't like necessarily journal every day. I kind of just do it like when, when I want to or when I'm just like, I just wake up, I'm just like, okay, I, I kind of feel like journaling right now. Um, or like, okay, I, I kind of feel like meditating right now. It's like, I don't know, man, it's, it's, it's like everything in moderation and not feeling like you have to do necessarily have to do something. Obviously you have to go to your job. If you want to live in the society that, you know, there's, there's different ways to think about that, but bro, just, just be a human, feel negative emotions and, and don't overthink and try to alleviate them. So the good news about trauma is that it can be released and you can let go of it. You can improve it. So you might have trauma right now in your life, 
but you can chip away at it. You can let it go. You can, it'll be a process. It'll be a long process to get all of that out, uh, depending on how much you have, right? Depending more people, some people are more traumatized than others. Some people have barely any, some people have a lot, but regardless, there is going to be a process in place, but you're not always, if you do the inner work and you practice the spiritual disciplines and you continue to become a more conscious individual over time, you'll release more trauma, which means you'll be less triggered. And eventually you'll get to a point where the trauma is released. You no longer have to worry about it or deal with it or um, be in reaction to it. So that's the plus side of it. It's not like I have this trauma. I'll never be healed. I'll never be the same again. Like some people, they have this fixed mindset where they think, you know, this is because of the things that happened to me. I'm now, I now have social anxiety permanently, or I now have PTSD permanently. And when it's like, well, there are actually avenues for you to heal it. And the first step in being able to do that is A, to have an awareness that it's there and B, to have the self-belief that you can heal it. If you have that victim mindset that this is just how you are, it can't be changed. Yeah, you're never going to heal it. You're never going to get rid of it. Now you're identified with it and it's going to be with you for the rest of your life. But if you realize that it's there and you and you trust in the process and you believe that you can release it and let go of it, eventually you get to a point where it will no longer be there. Um, again, can you get rid of a hundred percent of the trauma you've ever experienced? Maybe, maybe if you're Jesus, maybe if you're the Buddha, I don't know. I, I highly, I highly doubt that I will ever release a hundred percent of it, but you can release the vast majority of it to a point where it no longer has a hold of your, over your life and you rarely react to it anymore and, or you rarely experience it anymore. And then when you do experience it, it'll be mild and you won't therefore react to it because you'll have a greater control over your faculties and your emotions and how you react uh, to certain things that come up within your consciousness and within your body. So that's the, that's the one thing. The other thing too is I would highly recommend against trying to think through negative emotions, which is something I know I used to do a lot. I would, um, for example, I might think of some sort of negative interaction I had with someone a week ago, you know, a month ago, sometimes even a year ago. And I'll be like, oh, that person, what they said to me was really shitty, blah, blah, blah. And then I'll get all worked up. And then I'll start trying to think through it like, oh, let me try to replay this in a, my, my mind in a way that I feel more at ease with. And I'm there for like 30 minutes trying to think through and wrestle with this uh, negative experience that I had or what I'm labeling as a negative experience that I had with someone trying to like reframe it in my mind in a way that puts me at ease. And all it does is get me more worked up and more anxious and it doesn't do anything. So what I've gotten better at doing is just acknowledging that that experience happened acknowledging that I had some sort of, that I had or am having a negative emotional response to it. And then just being aware of it. And just like with all the other things, you know, this is what, this is why meditation is so helpful is because you bring your awareness to it. You accept it for what it is. It's there and then it passes. And then that's really the best way to process it, right? Rather than trying to think your way through it and trying to reframe it in your mind in a way that makes better sense and that you can come to terms with that's most likely not going to work. So don't try to think through it. Trying to think through traumas or trying to think through um, negative emotions is like trying to bang your head against a brick wall and hoping that the wall will break. You're just going to hurt yourself more, most likely. And then the other thing you mentioned too is has to do with like the consistency of habits, doing things when you feel like it. <clears throat> this one again is a little bit nuanced in my opinion because there's something, first of all, there's something to be said for, we talked about in one of our first episodes, persistence. Like, I don't feel like waking up and going to the gym. Look, when I wake up at 5.30 in the morning, I very rarely feel like working out, but I do it anyway. I push through what I'm feeling to do what I know I need to do to get the results that I want. So there's something to be said for persistence and pushing through negative emotions, doing things when you don't feel like it. However, I think that that sometimes can be taken too far and it can become unhealthy and toxic. And there are times and seasons and certain scenarios where you should be just more intuitive, feeling into it, you know, like, just like I don't journal every single day. I kind of do it when I'm feeling like, Hey, I, I want to journal. And there are certain habits where I, you know, hopefully as you get further along the path, you'll feel pulled to do certain things. Like there are times like lately I've been feeling very pulled to do longer meditation sessions and to do it more frequently. I've just, I almost like a craving to meditate more often rather than I need to do it because I need to, you know, keep my streak going and I need to push through my inner resistance to feeling negative. Sometimes there are habits where I feel pulled to do it. And that's awesome. If you can feel pulled to do a cold shower or pulled to go, you know, train or go feel pulled to, to do something that typically requires discipline, 
then you've come to a really good spot. So it shouldn't, you shouldn't always have to be pushing through. And, and there are times where you will need to rest. And there are times where it's totally okay to not do the thing you don't feel like doing, but you have to make sure that you don't like start to become lazy. Cause that, that's a slippery slope and you can all of a sudden get down to a point where now you're just living a very sloth like existence. And you're just like, I don't feel like it. I'm not going to do it. And that's not, that's not good either. Yep. So I don't have anything else. I've, I've really enjoyed the, the structure of this podcast and I'm excited to do more episodes like this, but do you have anything else before I end on a quote? Um, no, go for it. Okay, cool. So this is a quote by, uh, I'm going, I'm going to butcher the name. It tick, not Han, um, fit, not Han. Yes. Thank you. Um, so it goes, Feelings, whether of compassion or irritation, should be welcomed, recognized, and treated on an absolutely equal basis because both are ourselves. The tangerine I am eating is me. The mustard greens I am planting are me. I plant with all my heart and mind. I clean this teapot with the kind of attention I would have were I giving the baby Buddha or Jesus a bath. Nothing should be treated more carefully than anything else. In mindfulness, compassion, irritation, mustard green plant, and teapot are all sacred. And then the last one I want to say as well is, the seed of suffering in you may be strong, but don't wait until you have no more suffering before allowing yourself to be happy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Chasing Presence Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please spread the word by telling your family and friends and by sharing it on social media. You can also show us your support by leaving a review. Also, if you'd like to get in touch with us, our contact information is in the show notes. Please send us a message as we'd love to hear from you and get your feedback. As always, thanks again for listening. Stay present and have a great day.